When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 119. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing? Uh, I'm okay. I say that hesitantly because I have this like weird feeling in my throat. We talked about this, I believe, on the Patreon podcast. More on that later. Um, and I thought I was getting like a sore throat, and I was going, "Oh, here comes a sickness." But my wife and I have done some some sleuthing, some diagnostics, and we're pretty sure I've got a canker sore like in the back of my throat. In your throat? Oh yeah, I don't God, feel sounds- sick. I don't have the body aches. I don't have a headache. I'm not coughing. I don't have a runny nose. None of that. It just kind of isn't comfortable right now. It's like there's a pressure there. Okay. Weird. I don't, I've never heard of a cank, like a sore in the back of someone's throat. So you, obviously you listening can't see that. So this is terrible for an audio medium. But if you essentially take your right index finger and stick it underneath, you know where your jawline, like the, the, the bowing out of the jaw where it meets the neck, just go there and like go in about a centimeter. And then press. That's where it hurts for me. I, I realize it just said centimeter. No one is going to understand that. <laughs> I was just going to say. That's, uh, I know that's less than an inch. Yeah. Let's say tenth of an inch. Let's move a tenth of an inch forward and that boom, that's where it is, baby. <laughs> okay. See, I was, I was off today because I work at a college and they are closed the day before Thanksgiving. So I ran around, did errands and did my pre-Thanksgiving prep. So I'm going to hit the gym. I think tomorrow morning after we do the uh, post game show for tonight's games. So I want to be in like prime position where I could eat and stuff my face and not feel awful about myself. Mm. Mm, I love it. Thanksgiving's the best. Do you guys deep fry your turkey or put it in the oven? Uh, oven. Oh, deep fry is the bomb diggity. You got to try it. Oh my God. I've heard so many good things about deep fried turkey. It is definitely on the bucket list. Crust, like crust on the outside, just deep fried turkey. Oh, mm. and then nice and juicy on the inside because they're just sitting in, in, in oil. And it takes a lot less longer, right? It takes like hours and you got to monitor it and all that crazy kind of stuff. When you put the bird in the, the, the pan, you just are the pot. You just boom, put it in. You sit and watch it. 
Make sure it doesn't bubble over. Make sure the temperature stays there. You drink, obviously, because why? What else are you gonna do? And you just stand there. It's amazing. I love it. That sounds phenomenal. I I'm all in on that. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So with that, Mitch, do you have an addition for us? Uh, yes. So uh, uh, this is the last one. So thank you, Piper, for the suggestion. We will go on a new suggestion going forward. Um. So the last one here, we, we take a player from the draft year corresponding to the edition over 100 that we're in. So it took me 19 editions for me to say that eloquently. 19 times. Anyway, so we're the 119th episode, so we will take a player from the 2019 draft. And we are taking, or I'm taking, Reese Newkirk. Okay. I, I, I think I remember. Okay, I think I remember some info on him. I, I know you so. know the name for sure, so we'll see how good you are in knowing what he's done, where he's been, or where he comes from uh, okay. later on in the show. But this edition, the Reese Newkirk edition. All right, so with that, let's get into it, Mitch. Got to talk about some of the games from this past week. The streak came to an end, which is going to be basically our, our main first topic here in a second, but... The Islanders were ex- able to extend the point streak to 17 over our, this past week. Which is incredible. Absolutely incredible that they were able to do 17 games in a row with a point. You know, the NHL.com didn't really care whatsoever because they ran the Toronto Maple Leafs winning their first game under Sheldon Keefe as the, the top story <laughs> on NHL.com Naturally. that day. But you know what? It's fine. You know, Sheldon Keefe. Listen, I, I get it that Toronto ha- takes a lot of views or gets a lot of clicks. I get it. Look, we ran a piece about Matt Martin today, which we will get to later. Um, and we're still getting clicks. Like, it's insane. Like, the, the bump in traffic we get when we write something about a Toronto player or about Toronto Maple Leafs, it's incredible. So, so I get why the NHL did that. But at a certain point, you also have a responsibility to prop up the, the teams when they're doing well. They're the, the front page. They've, they've won, not won, but they've put up a point in 17 games but then the next day when they lose to san jose boom that's the main one that's the main one when they lose to san jose oh the streak is over put it up boys come on man they lost in overtime to san jose so that that was the last one it was sorry ducks yes you're right when they lost to the ducks that's when they did it excuse me yes so uh as you mentioned so let's start from the beginning pittsburgh penguins that game went into overtime. I mean, Brock Nelson just went to town that game. That was the Brock Nelson coming out party. Beast mode Brock Nelson. I love it. And then the overtime loss to San Jose. That was the one where they started out kind of rough and then settled in and then ended up going into overtime. Played about 55 minutes of that game, as Barry Trot said. Exactly. Well, we won't get into the details of the whole game because we go over this in our uh, Patreon postgame yeah. podcast. So if you want to sign up and get a 20 to 30 minute podcast after each and every Islanders game and get access to all of the other ones, including last season when we started doing this, you can do that for five bucks a month on Patreon. Again, you get a post-game podcast after every single New York Islanders game. And when there's a break, we do some other fun stuff. Uh, You also get a mailbag, a weekly mailbag show, which we'll be recording after this. You get a weekly newsletter. You get all kinds of content on the Patreon, including a community of over 100 people to discuss things at your fancy. Uh, It's a lot of fun. And again, it's five bucks a month. We, We did the math and it turns out to be like 38 cents per uh, podcast or, or something like that? Something like that. It's like some minuscule number that, I don't know, you can find it in your uh, cup holder of your car. 
Exactly. So it's it's well worth it, and we go over the games in detail. In every goal, we go over the box score, we go over winners and losers, and we give you some fun headlines to go with it as well. So it's a good old good old time. Yeah, we just wanted to set the scene for like what happened this past week with on on the ice and give you the context so that when we start breaking down our big storylines from each, you know, from the past week that kind of understand where we're coming from. So right. the Islanders uh, win against Pittsburgh, losing overtime in San Jose to keep the streak going, and then the real ugly one, the three nothing loss against the Anaheim Ducks, which that kind of takes us into our first story, Mitch, of of the streak coming to an end. Obviously, we knew it was going to happen, and it just wasn't their night in Anaheim. Are you telling me a 17-game point streak wasn't sustainable? What? Uh, yeah, pr- precisely that, Mitch. It, it isn't sustainable. It's shocking, I know, but uh, not sustainable. That is news to me, Matthew. I had no idea that this could not be sustained. What is? What in the world is going on here? Oh, it, of course, it was, they were going to lose eventually. It's an 82-game season. They went from October 12th to November 23rd without taking an L. Well, a regulation L anyways. That's, That's incredible. Right. Um, they haven't done that ever in their franchise, and they've won four Stanley Cups in a row. Uh, so, you know, that tells you the kind of the history that we're dealing with here. Uh, it's an incredible run, an incredible achievement for a team that was, again, at the beginning of the year, like, yeah, they had a good year in 1819, but... They brought the whole band back together. Could they do it again? And the Islanders were like, lols, yes, mic drop on everyone's face who doubted them. Yeah, not only can they do it again, they could be better. <laughs> yeah, they're better. They're better. What we did last year, that wasn't even peak us. We haven't even peaked yet. That's why. I don't even think they've peaked now. I really don't. Sorry, I shouldn't. I should rephrase that. Seven, I don't think they'll ever go on another 17-game point streak. What I mean by peaking is I mean this team can get better with additions is really what I should say. It's not exactly what I what I said really quick there. Well, I mean, let's think about it. They went on a, what was it, 10 or 11 game win streak. And then, well, it turned into a 17 game point streak. We know that. So yeah. regardless, however many games in a row that they won. And throughout a majority of that streak, Anders Lee and Jordan Everly, who are two guys you paid on July 1, or before July 1 for Everly, but you, you get the point. Yes. And they aren't producing. So that is two of your biggest pieces who aren't playing well. So theoretically, if those guys start going to where we know they can be, and I'm not saying Lee's got to be a 40-goal scorer, but let's say he's on like a 50-55 a point pace with 25 to 30 goals, stuff like that, and then Everly's, you know, that 50-55 point player with like 25 goals, can you imagine how much deeper this team would be? You're right. When you put it that way, I, what I said was correct. Thank you. Um, but no, like you're right. Like Lee hasn't scored in 10 games. Uh, Everly hasn't scored at all this season. Lee is on pace for, I believe it's 37 points. I, I did the math the other day. Well, I didn't. ESPN does it. I could have, but I, I was lazy. So I just went and clicked on ESPN's page. Uh, so I believe he's on pace for 37 points with five goals and five assists on the season so far in 22 games. Uh, that's not good for him. Like, no, that's not. Yeah, and so you're right. Like, if he puts up his typical 25 to 35 goals, we'll say, yeah, they're so much better. They're so much better, and they they won. They've been winning almost 17 games straight. It's incredible to think that there is another level that they can hit with their big free uh, the big free agents they signed last year. Their own free agents, but still. 
But right, yeah, the the big pieces that they gave money heading into this year on new contracts, they haven't even been the ones producing the most. It's been realistically, and this kind of gets into one of my takeaways from the 17-game point streak, that second line that they found is killer. Beauvillier, Nelson, Broussard, that has turned into a really, really good line. Yeah, absolutely. For them, it's just, it's found money. Like, Broussard was, what, $1.2 million on a single year, and he's putting up a career year. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say career year. An equal career year. Like, his mm-hmm. his career high is 60 points, and he's on pace for 60 points right now. And that they found that. They, they were just, they're, they're well and okay to put him on the as a third-line center. That's what you brought it in for. That's what you're going to go do. You're not really performing, but, you know, you know, we'll see what we can do for it. We'll see what, if we can get you going. And, and by get you going, to be like a, um, a Valtteri Filippola type player, right? Like 30, 35 points. That's what we're kind of looking for you. No, no, yep. he explodes for a 60-point pace, puts up a goal in five games straight. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you you said it best. When they moved him to the wing, it, it kind of just it sparked him. He, this offensive output that we haven't seen in years from Derek Broussard just seemingly came out of nowhere because... That was the thing. At, in that third-line center role, granted he was playing with the Michael Del Coles and Leo Komarovs of the world, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was not producing in the slightest. And then you just bump him up and put him with Beauvillier and, and Nelson, and he's turning into you know Derek Broussard from 2014. And, and let's look at those two elements of that lineup, right? Like you got Anthony Beauvillier, who last year did not have a good year at all. Nope. There was no... like We've seen glimpses of him go on 60-point tears or put up... You know, uh, string some games together where he's like, ah, you know, that's a 60 point player, never consistently. And he's doing that right now. He's on a consistent 66 point pace, I believe, 33 goals and 33 assists. What? The, again, found money. Yes, we're paying him 2.1 million, if I'm not um, mistaken. Yep. But still, that's $2.1 million for a 60 point player at the moment. We'll see if that ends up at the, at, at the year. But as it stands, he's a 60 point player on pace for. That's incredible. That is found money. You don't pay 60-point players $2 million. You don't. You would pay no, them that, five to six. Right. Like what Jordan Everly is getting. Right in the middle, five and a half. That's right. So that's one of the takeaways. If we want to transition into that, um, the, the takeaways for, for this is that that second line is just found money. Oh, yeah, 100%. It, it, it truly is because, like you said, Beauvillier and Broussard, especially those two, they were big question marks coming into this year because – like we talked about Bavilia having a bad year last year. Broussard played on three different teams and did nothing for all three of those teams. And we gave them the Jan Kovar treatment, the post-Jan Kovar treatment, right? Where we, we now, because of Jan Kovar, we are a little uh, gun-shine going, well, we don't know if this guy, Derek Broussard, could even make the team. No, he's on a one-year, $1.2 million deal. That's not necessarily a sign of confidence. They, they threw $2 million at Jan Kovar and didn't even let him play. Um, so we don't know if Derek Broussard can even play, and sure enough, he sure as heck can. Yeah, I mean, that one really lucked out. I mean, later on in the show, we have a segment we're calling Bargain Bin Islanders, so you could probably get more in-depth on in there, but that's a good point on that uh, second line. Another thing that stood out to me, and this is kind of one of our other topics, we're kind of spoiling the rest of our show here in this one uh, segment, but that's, fine. that's okay. It's just the offense in general was extremely good because – in years, well, in years gone by, last year was what I mean. They were a team where they won because they got stellar goalie play. They were defensively crisp and all that stuff, and they would squeak out two one wins. Well, no, they were they were putting up 
four spots, five spots pretty regularly. And their average goals per game was going way, way up, which is a positive sign. It's a very positive sign that it's clicking, right? Like the offense is actually working. The offense that, you know, to be fair, we were kind of not so sure about, right? I remember Barry Trotz saying that we're good guys. Well, we have a good offense. It'll be okay. And we're going, well, you know, you had the 22nd ranked overall offense in terms of goals for, and even at five on five, you're 16th. So at best, you're middle of the pack. And then all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, well, uh, we can get better. You know, what, what Matthew Barzell did last year, he's going to get better than that. So is Brock Nelson. <laughs> so is Beauvillier. And we're going to bring in a guy who we originally thought could be our third line player, but turns out he could be a top six player and put up 60 points. Yeah, even <laughs> even better. Exactly. But what worries me is within that stretch, maybe not worries me because that's a bit strong, but uh, something to take note of, and, and what, what, mm-hmm. I, what uh, my other takeaway here is their defense hasn't been that strong for stretches within that stretch. So if we specifically look at the, the period where they played Toronto, Pittsburgh, um, and then Pittsburgh again, they or sorry, Philly, Pittsburgh, Toronto, they let him like three or four goals a night within that stretch. So there's like a five-game period there where they let in between five and four goals, which is not very Islandersy. You know, there are times when when they they light up, you know, four goals. You know, they have they have a blowout. That's fine. That happens. But they had uh, so against Toronto is five four, Philly four three, Pittsburgh five four, Pittsburgh again four three. Like that's typically on Islanders when you have this is, what is that seven, eleven, fourteen goals against in four games. Eesh. Yeah, that that's a great point. Because while everyone was like, oh my God, yeah, the offense is clicking. Well, at the same time, defense wasn't that great. Uh, you had a couple clunkers from Varlamov over that stretch. And even one or two games where Thomas Grice didn't look his best either. Um, but for me, it's just it seemed like guys weren't in the right spots defensively. And, and not just the defensemen, like the forwards weren't in the right positions. And, and the, I, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the biggest example of that came in the regulation loss that ended the streak yeah. with Matthew Barzell. Yeah, absolutely. He was not where he needed to be. <laughs> um, the thing defensively, though, is that the Islanders went through essentially the same lull last year, right? At essentially the same time, right? We, we, we brought up uh, Robin Leonard's record last year when comparing Varlamov. Well, or at least I did, right? And in, in the, at the end of, Dece- of November... Leonard went through a lull where he was doing the below 900 save percentages almost every night for like four or five games, just like Varlamov did. Uh, and, and the Islanders were letting up a ton of goals at that period of time, just like they are now. So it seems like they, they hit kind of a, a wall or they hit something, a speed bump come the middle of November, but then Barry Trotz, boom, corrects it. Yeah, and that's the thing too. I'm glad you brought that up because coming off of that loss in regulation, he had some... Uh, choice words might be strong, but he basically said that uh, the guys were full, meaning that I guess like satisfied with complacent, uh, how the, compla- a better word, complacent, and they're going to start holding people uh, accountable. And we saw that at practice yesterday when Jordan Everly was bumped down to the third line, which he did for periods in the game against San Jose, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he played on on the third line, or what? What I believe is really their their fourth line. You know, playing with with Koivula and and um, Johnston was it? I believe at the time. 
uh, to me, Casey Zekas, Cal Clutterbuck, and Matt Martin are, are the third line. They just are because just to look at the minutes, it's just not even close. Um, but he demoted him then, uh, and there, there's no reason to put him on a line with Matthew Barzal right now. I, at this point, Everly, go go get your groove back, and then once you've got that, get back up. Like go find Ty Diggs or something like that, and, and get your groove going, and then come back, and then we'll we'll, we'll talk then. But for now, it should be Lee Barzal Bailey top line. Yeah, 100%, because Bailey, I think, has earned the right to get back up there, more so with Lee than Barzal. Yeah, I mean, it helps that Matt Barzal's online, but I want to see Lee and Bailey back together, because they have a, a solid duo. Right, and, and so what, why we're talking about this in, in general is because mm-hmm. the 17-game streak, and what we're trying to bring up here is that when Barry Trotz wants to push a button, he usually pushes the right one. Like, how many times yeah. has he gone through the streak where he had to do something to either get a, re- a reaction or get a response, and he got the response, if not even better, like Derek Brassard, right? Like, that was in the middle of the streak, right? He did, he came in on, on the wing, I think, against um, Arizona. So that was one, two, three, four, five, six games into the streak. He came in as a winger. Before that, he was playing center after Jordan Eberle went down with an injury. He came in, put him on the wing, and boom, explosion happens. Yeah, it's almost as if he's like, oh, this isn't working. All right, let me try this. Hits button, and then it's like, everything is fixed. Like, that simple. Exactly. And was it the Philly, the first Philly win at home where they were trailing, or is it the second one at Philly where they were trailing, and he put Josh Bailey, he put the lines in a blender, put Josh Bailey in the top line, and Josh Bailey immediately, immediately answers? Yeah, I I don't remember if it was the home or the away game, but I know what you were talking about. He scored a big goal late in that game. One yeah. where they came back. I'm pretty sure it's the one where they came back, so it would have been the late game, the one away from home. Yes, yeah, it was on the 16th. Yeah, um, and again, same thing. Barry Trotz pushes a button, gets a reaction. And so uh, will he get the same reaction this time? Yeah, probably. And look, he, he did it again against uh, Pittsburgh on the 7th of November, right? Like they lost in overtime, and he said that's not going to be a trend. Yeah. <laughs> You lost in overtime. You guys haven't lost in regulation or at all for 11 games up to that point. Then it's like, don't worry, guys, I got this. Like, oh, It's okay. You took it L. No big deal, Barry. No, no, no. We're going to fix this. All right, right. Barry. And the weird part is, like, I am so, so confident tonight going into Los Angeles, which I, I don't know. Because usually I don't like to get overconfident and stuff like that. I kind of like to stay level-headed. But I am... Like I'm sure Barry Trotz is going to have this thing figured out and have his team ready to go tonight. I'd be surprised if they aren't. And and if they they aren't ready, well, guess what? You've got two days before Columbus comes to the island. You're going to have two days of hard skates, my friends. It's going to be a hard skate when you get back from L.A. Yeah, that's... I, I wouldn't want to be on the team for that. No, I would not want that. It just don't go out that night. If, if you lose to Los Angeles, go right back to the hotel, get some sleeps because you're going to need it. Yep, 100%. Oh, man, that's so funny. Want to move over and get into more in-depth on the the offensive rolling and stuff like that? Let's do that. Okay, so yes, over the last two games, they only have one goal. But over the span of the 17-game point streak, Mitch, do you know what their average goals per game was? Do you have a guess? 3.25. 
Three and a half. Exactly three and a half. I wasn't that close, but I thought I'd seen somewhere where there's three, three, two, five. But I think that's it was not fully at the end of the streak. But that's amazing. That's really good. Because what was their their goals for per game last year? Is two point eight nine or something like that? I thought it was two seven. Ooh. Just think about that, right? Like that's that's incredible. The the difference in, in offense. And, and again, like you brought up earlier, we're talking about all the same players here. They haven't brought in sorry, they brought in Derek Broussard. That's the only difference. Broussard for Philpola. Right. Which most switch. of us were looking at as an even swap. Well, the thing is Broussard's putting up sixty point pace. Philpola, I don't think, was on that pace no. at this time last year. No, of course not. Um so the offense is just they're, they figured out their defense, right? Last year, Barry Trotz came in and said, we're going to figure out the defense because that's an easy thing to teach. What isn't easy to teach is scoring. You guys already have that, but we'll focus on the defense. We'll win that way, and then we'll, we'll add something to it. It's just like when you try to build a, a new routine. Like I, I'm trying to do that personally. And so when I, go, uh, when I go to bed at night, it's, okay, I've brushed my teeth, and now I have to floss. Once I've established flossing as a routine, now I'm going to do something else, some sort of, I don't know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but something else before I go to bed. Maybe put like some moisturizer on so I wake up well and refreshed in the morning or something stupid like that. But that's what Barry Trotz is doing to his team. He's increments, he's taking one thing, establishing that, adding something to it, and then from there we'll add more. Yeah, and that's like... You got to do it incrementally, like you said. You can't just be like, all right, I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at you and good luck. No, it's like you got to, first we do this, then okay, we master this, we could add something else and then add something else. And finally you get the finished product. And I think that the point that I wanted to make is that they're getting closer to the finished product because if you, I don't think they're going to average three and a half goals per game for the entire year. But if you're over that three goal mark, you should be in great shape, great shape, because we know what the Islanders' record is and how good they are when they score at least three goals. Was it? Why well, I don't remember it now, but it was like fifty-two, two and three, or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, I don't know what it is now. Updated, but when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, it, they essentially have like four or five losses in the Barry Trotz era. <laughs> when they throw three or more goals, but in, in any NH on any NHL team, you score three goals, you should be winning or putting yourself in a position to win. And the Islanders are doing that on average, are scoring more than three goals, three and a half goals. They're getting close to four. That's wild. No, it is. Um, can can I ra- ra- wrap off some uh, some pay stats for you when it comes to the offense? Yeah, I think that'd be a good way. Okay. To, uh, Continue this. Let's do it. So uh, I, I put it all together. Uh, again, I was lazy, and I just went to uh, ESPN.com. So if you go to the player profile on ESPN.com, they have a projected line now underneath the uh, their stat line. So Matthew Barzell, after 22 games, so this is all after what after 22 games, Barzell's on pace for 75 points and 34 goals. Wow. 34 goals. He had 22 as a career high. Uh, Brock Nelson on pace for 30 goals, 41 assists, 71 points. Okay, so very solid. Very solid. I'm gonna. I'm not going to list every single forward here, so if you have one that you would like to to hear, let me know. But I'll list off the ones that are having like on pace for career years anyways. Um, Derek Broussard is equaling that, but he's on pace for 22 goals, 37 assists, um, for 59 points, but rounded up, it's, it's 60. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Bo, 30, 30, and 60. Matt Martin on pace for 14 goals and 21 points. Wow, that'd be a career high, I believe, on goals. That's right. And what about, Mike, um, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Sezekis is what I'm curious about. 
Casey Zizekas on pace for 18 goals, 14 assists, and 32 points. Okay. So he had 33 last year. Yeah, I thought that's funny because I, it feels like he slowed down a little bit, but the, I mean, it, the numbers show that clearly he hasn't. Keep in mind, he's played 17 games, right? So, okay. Although, like, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way necessarily. Like, he plays 17 instead of 22. You still deduct that over the 82 sample. Right. Um, so he, he's right there. Like, he's a point off what he was doing last year. And yeah, he had a dip in goals, but like, he's still on pace for 18. <laughs> That's, I'll take that from my fourth line center. Exactly. Uh, so, so all that to say that um, it seemed that Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo were right not to be worried about the offense, at least now. Again, we're only 22 games in, and it is, but it is a, a quarter of the season where we're done, 26 point some odd percent of the season. So it, it's early, but it's not too early to look at these. Yeah, no, it absolutely isn't. This is like the first reasonable time. Like to me, at 10 games is like, yeah, this is not enough but yeah we're still talking the, about Connor mcdavid putting up 500 points at that time <laughs> exactly but at the quarter way mark of a season i think that's about where you can start looking at things yes things start to flatten out things return to the mean or at least to the mean that the, we should expect him the end of the year will some of these numbers change of course you know josh bailey probably won't be on pace for 52 points it'll probably be closer to 85 you know something like that <laughs> Yeah, probably Hopefully. something around the 55-60 mark. Yeah, I would tend to think so. Uh, anything else on the offense before we move this thing along? Uh, th- let's not say, or let's not ourselves be complacent with what we have. Like, this doesn't mean that, oh, the offense is good. We're awesome. We'll be fine. No, th- there's still some players, like you said earlier, that need to step up. Like, Anders Lee is on pace for 19 goals and 37 points. Yuck. Uh, Jordan Eberle is on pace for 30 assists, zero goals, mind you, and 30 <laughs> points. Disgusting. Like, he's going to pop some in at some point. Both of these guys are going to start popping them in at some point. It's going to change. Uh, and then we can talk about, like, all right, we're good, but there's always someone else. Like, I just posted something about Taylor Hall being available via trade. If he's available, you, if you're Lou Lamarillo, are going to do anything in your power to try to get him. Yeah. I would th- I would certainly think so to improve your team and give yourself the you know best opportunity to win of yeah, course exactly so there's always room for improvement but I think this is an, uh, an encouraging sign we're seeing from the offense absolutely so when we come back what we're gonna do is get into our bargain bin Islander segment so who is producing at the most effective cost. All right, welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. I am Matt O'Leary, joined by Mitch Anderson. Now, one of the guys we talked about a lot so far on the show is Derek Broussard. Like we said, on pace for 60 points. The Islanders have him at a extremely reasonable 1.4 or 1.2? 2. 1.2. 1.2. Okay. Even better, Mitch. $1.2 million. It's wild to think how much production they're getting from a guy that they just like plucked out of the, the bargain bin of the of free agency. Because remember, he they didn't sign him July 1. They didn't sign him July 2. They signed him August 22nd, or I think August 22nd or 23rd. I, I forget exactly what day. Um, that's a full month and almost two months in from when free agency opens that they're like, yeah, I guess we'll take a flyer on this guy. And then turns out I can play and I can put up 60 points. Incredible. Yeah, it was August 21st. How do you remember that? I, I wrote about it, so it was in, it was in my mind somewhere. It just, I clearly didn't have the right date. Uh, 
Yeah, so he is definitely one of those guys. And I pulled up the Islanders cap friendly page to look. Another one that we talked about a little bit for forward. Anthony Bovillier at $2.1 million. He's on pace for, what'd you say, 66 points? I think it's 60, flat 30, actually. It's 30 by 30, so 60 30 points. 30 by 30? Yeah. 60? I mean, the thing with Bovillier is that he, in years gone by, has flashed and gone on spurts where it looks like, wow, okay, this guy's going to be a 50 or 60-point player and a nice goal scorer, a complimentary piece on that second line, maybe. And then he'd go on streaks where he wouldn't score a goal for like three months. And you're like, what the hell is going on with this kid? But now he looks like a more complete player. So not even like, yes, he is scoring, but even in the games where he isn't producing, you're still noticing him out there on the ice, which you really didn't the last three years. That's exactly right. We both remember last year, and you listening also remember last year for the first 16 games, he had one point. In the following 16, he put up, I think it was 12 and 16. And that's when he was on that 60-point that pace. And we're going, all right, there he is. The next 16, same thing as the first 16. Just nothing. Now he's got 22 games in, and he's just consistently noticeable, engaged. He's stronger. I, I keep saying it because I keep noticing it. Whenever he's on the puck or even trying to get the puck from someone, he looks physically stronger. Like He's able to move people physically now. He wasn't able to do that before. No, yeah, he he wasn't. And part of that's probably growing into and becoming an NHL player. I mean, he's just 22 years old. It feels like he's been in the league for a while now, but we got to keep in mind that he still is only 22 years old. Yeah, that's right. He's 22. He's on the first year of his bridge deal. Uh he's he he's going to get better and or this this could be the guy that we have going forward at 60 points and I will take that. I will absolutely take that. That'd be amazing. For a guy that we, again, we didn't have him. Thank you, Edmonton, again. We did not have this pick, Edmonton and Tampa, I should say. Like, this was a good pickup from Garth. That's one thing I'll give him. I mean, he was able to pull some good trades for the Islanders. I'll, I'll give him the trades. <laughs> Maybe thanks, Peter Shirelli, made our bad GM look good. The only GM that can make Garth Snow look <laughs> competent. <laughs> Oh, man, it's great. It's good to see that we're getting our money's worth out of that $2.1 million. Because when it came out, we were all like, all right, that's not terrible. We're not going to cry about it. But that's that seems like a lot. But, you know, if that's what you think, Lou, all right. And then, lo and behold, he turns into a 60-point player. You're going, all right, I'm never going to doubt you again. Thank you very much. (laughs) I got some more on the defensive end and in net, too, which we're going to get to. But I I don't want to use ELC, so I'm, I'm skipping over Barzal. Yeah. But, but it's not fair. Right. So Ryan Pulak at $2 million. He is essentially their number one defenseman. Yep. And he's on pace for what, like 39 points, I think? Now it's 37. 11 goals, okay. 26 assists for 37 points, which would be a career, not equal to career high. I think he put up 37 last year. I don't remember. I'm just clicking on stats right now. Yes, 37. Nine goals, 28 assists for 37 points in 82 games last year. But having having a defenseman who's 25 years old putting up close to 40 points for $2 million, that's just tremendous value. (laughs) He's not the only one, though. That's the thing. He's not the only one on pace for either 40 or, or close to 40. And by close, I mean, like, if you if you round it up, it would be 40. Devin Taves on pace for 41 points. On pace for 41, and oh, by the way, he is making $700,000, and no, that's not at ELC. 
Unbelievable. $700,000. It sucks for him, obviously, because he's obviously worth more. And he will get paid. He will. Oh, yeah. He will. Um, just not right now, obviously. Um, but that's $2.7 million that the Islanders are paying for two 40-point defensemen. <laughs> that's crazy. The, that o- is, that's the other 40-point defensemen they have, they're paying $5.5 million to. Nick Letty? Nick Letty's on pace for 39 points. Okay, see, that would be good because that's the Nick Letty of old that we could get used to, 40-point Nick Letty. So, so think about this for a second. The Islanders have one defenseman on each of their three pairs who's on pace for nearly 40 points or more than 40 points. I never thought of it like that. That just put a huge smile to my face. That was like my natural reaction to it. That, that made me feel really good. And Noah Dobson is not playing, although tonight he will apparently. Okay, good. I'm glad Noah Dobson's getting into the lineup. I would like to see a little bit more of him. Maybe down the stretch, as you know, the season wears on, Johnny needs a couple more days off and stuff like that. But I think in the rare instances that he has played, he's looked pretty good. Yeah, he has. I, I want him to play ten games at least because I I needs me that ten. I have I have a bet with someone that he will win or he will uh, play ten games at least in the NHL. I say he's going to play, uh, and he's only at seven, so. <laughs> I need I need three more to get my beers. I think you'll be good over the next three months or so. I think so too. But yeah, so that's three defensemen averaging or not averaging, but pacing out to close to forty, if not over forty, on the island of the Islanders' seven defensemen. Ridiculous. No, that absolutely is ridiculous. And then when you look at too, even Adam Pellick and Scott Mayfield. Yeah, like they're not putting up the same, they're not even pacing for the same points, but I, I don't care. I'm not looking for Scott Mayfield to put up 40. If he does, great. But I, I'm not going to, you know, that's no. not what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for so- solid defensive play. And he's on pace for 20. Like that. that's a Thomas Hickey type of play, uh, but he's huge. He's a massive person at 6'4", 224. He's a now, big guy. Him and Pellick, like you said, they are your more stay-at-home, like more defensive-minded defensemen. And if they give you 20 to 25 points, you take that and you're extremely happy with it. And the fact that they're getting that kind of point production and then that kind of play in the defensive zone for $1.6 and $1.45 million, that's crazy. So the Islanders are paying just over one Andrew Ladd for their top four defensemen. <laughs> Oh, no. And by just over, I mean $200,000 over. Wow. They're paying 5.75. And when I say pay, I mean AAV, obviously. Right. Their AAV is 5.75 for Pelic, Pulak, Mayfield, Taves. That is crazy. 5.75. Andrew Ladd is 5.5 on average. Oh, my God. And I, I never think, thought of it like that. I, I, want, I want to calculate the actual. So let's do salary now. Let's figure this out. So Andrew Ladd's salary is, scroll down, there he is, is, oh, that's buried. Let me click on it. I think it's $5 million. His act, his salary, total salary is $5 million right now. So it's not a okay. lot. No. Um, but if we go back now, if we go to salary, still on salary, and we do all four of them combined, it's probably going to be a little bit higher, but, but this is the actual amount of money that they're paying these guys. Ryan Pulak, 2.65. Oops, okay. let's go to my calculator, 2.65. They are giving Adam Pellick 1.925, so a little bump there. Mm-hmm. Scott Mayfield, 1.2, so even that's less. So a little less. And uh, Devontae, 750000 
they're paying $6.525 million, actual dollars, to the top four defensemen. $1.5 million more than one Andrew Ladd, who's in the AHL right now. I don't mean to laugh, but that's funny. It, <laughs> it is really funny. It is funny. It's it's funny, but that's incredible. It's also incredible because your top four, the best top four in the league defensively. I'm not going to say they're better than than Brent Burns and William and, and Eric Carlson together on the ice at the same time, uh, but defensively, we saw it last year. We're seeing it again. Best defensive unit in the NHL, and they're getting less, just over one Andrew Ladd. Wild. No, it is, and that's not even. We we still have one more position to talk about, and I think we could put Thomas Grice into the mix here too at three point three 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 three, but three point three three. We'll round two million dollars for his deal, and he has essentially been the best five on five goalie in the National Hockey League for the last two years, and you're paying him three point three million dollars. <laughs> that's right. He was fourth in save percentage, I believe, last year. He is now third, although tied for second with Darcy Kemper. Only Robin Leonard has a better save percentage than him this year at a 938. Mm-hmm. He's he's allowing 6% of the, the shots he faced go in. And that that's incredible. That's insane. Uh, so you have Thomas Grice. It's a great deal. Uh, it's sad to say that he's probably not going to be around next year. No, I, I really don't see a scenario in which he is back with the Islanders. I really don't. I don't see it either. But yeah, he's going to get paid somewhere. Probably not a whole lot. He might get you know three as a, as a backup somewhere, um, but it's going to be a, a worth a well worth three million dollars for whatever team picks him up. I don't know. I think he can get a little bit more. It's just his age that I'm that I'm worried about. It's not to say that he's too old for the NHL. He's been a backup his entire year, his entire his entire career. Um, so the miles aren't as hard as like someone like a Carey Price, but Grice is thirty three, uh, going on thirty four in January. For a goalie, that's tough. Although he hasn't really had to miss any time through injury. So, you know, he's got that going for him. He's obviously well. He keeps in in good shape. Um, So maybe it's not going to be an issue. Maybe he plays into his late 30s. It's just like, I I don't think NHL teams are going to be quick on the draw to give him money because of the age. No, probably not. That's just it. It's not to say that he might not be worth it. It's to say that I, I don't I don't see a team going like, yes, let me give five million dollars to a thirty four year old goalie. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. So Our, they might. Who knows? But I, I don't think so. So with that, do you want to get into the quiz segment, Mitch? Yes, let's get into the quiz segment. All right, hit the music. So as you know, we are talking about Reese Newkirk. Drafted by the Islanders in the 2019 NHL Draft. And like every edition, I'm going to ask you, Matt, three questions about Reese Newkirk. Because we used to just dedicate the podcast to a guy. We never followed up on it. So we're going to do that now so we can all better know Reese Newkirk. So, Matt, are you ready? Born ready, baby. Let's do it. Question number one. What position does Reese Newkirk play? Reese Newkirk play center oh good call yes bing 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 question number two what team did we draft him from so i'll accept the league because i understand team could be hard there's a lot of teams out there so what team and or league did we draft him from come on baby ohl Incorrect. Good, you know, good shout out, but it was the WHL Portland Winterhawks specifically. Oh, 
I, that was, well, that would have been my second guess, probably. That's why so, I had that reaction. Last one. Okay. What is his production this season? He's played 21 games. How many points does he have? 21 games? Yes. Reese Newkirk has 14 points. 26. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. All right. He leads the team in points, the Portland Winterhawks. The 2019-2020 Winterhawks, Reese Newkirk is their leader in points with 26. Six goals, 20 assists. So Wow. We might have something there. Do you want to venture one last guess? I didn't write this one down, but now that you know how he's produced, what round did the Islanders take him in? I think the fifth, right? That's right. He's a fifth-round pick. He's 5'11", which is barely. It's almost six feet. I'm sure if he comes to camp, they'll register him as six feet tall. Probably, yeah. Um, But in his draft year, he put up 59 points in 68 games. But I think the knock on him was that he was playing with Cody Glass. Okay. Joachim Blickfield. Never heard of that guy. Don't know. Joachim Blickfield. Drafted in the seventh round by the San Jose Sharks. Blickfield put up 114 points in 1819. Okay. Yeah, I don't get it. He's 6'2", 180 pounds. He's a little bit older. He's 21, so I think that's that's probably why. Oh, yeah, that's that's got to be why. So, But he's playing, he being, um, Reese Newkirk was playing with Cody Glass, who, as we know, was a great AHL player. He, uh, Sorry, WHL player. He played 38 games last year, scored 69 points. Wow. So I think Jeez. that the fear was that, like, just like with uh, Alex DeBrinkett, right? Alex DeBrinkett played with um, Connor McDavid. And so I was like, well, he can't do it on his own. He fell to the second round, and now he's a 60 to 70 point player for the Blackhawks. <laughs> oh. I think it worked out good for them. It worked out good. Maybe this one will work out too. Hopefully. <laughs> that'd be a great diamond in the rough line. That would be. So that'd be Lou's first diamond in the rough, I guess. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into the social segment and what's trending on Isles Twitter. All right, welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson getting into the social segment now. Mitch, what do you got for us? So the first one I got, uh, and again, I live specifically on Twitter. That's the only social media platform I use. I have Facebook. I choose not to use it. Uh, and this one comes from, or not comes from, but I took from at Ross3on3r, I don't get it, uh, who says, sucks that Bellows is a bust. Had a lot of hope for the guy. Okay, I am not ready to call Kiefer Bellows a bust. I, I was I'm actually surprised about. by that. Why? Because you were quick on the draw. Like you you spent like the whole 2018 trying to convince me that Michael Dalcol was a bust. Okay, yeah, but he was and still is. Okay. All right. So why isn't Bellows then? Because at this point, wouldn't you? It's three years out and it just hasn't done anything and it's not looking well. We'll, we'll get to it's getting better, but it hasn't looked good before tonight. Because it, there's a vast difference from a top five pick to a an essentially 20th overall pick. I think he was taken 19th. Yeah, so someone who was taken 19th. The expectation is not nearly as high as someone who's taken fifth. Like a, a top five player should be an impact player within a couple of years. He it, it's been five years since he's been drafted, and he's not an impact player for the Islanders. Right. He's not. He's extremely replaceable. Yes, you're absolutely right. Okay, so I'll give you that much because you're right. Like the value of a fifth overall versus a nineteenth overall is night and day. 
he's still a first round pick, but it's not the same as the fifth overall. Like there's, there's a lot of value there. But like when you look at um, a lot of, there's a lot of draft analysis where they try to value just like the NFL, right? Like how valuable is the first overall pick versus the third overall pick? It's mm-hmm. night and day. It's night oh, and day. Sure. That's why the trade package to get someone's first overall pick versus their third overall pick is monumental. Like there's a huge difference just because of the value you get. First, you get board control and you can take the very best player, whereas you, you can't get that in the third. But players usually drafted further down, like 19th overall, don't have the same impact as a fifth overall player does. No, and that's why I said I'm giving him another year. If we are having this conversation, if he is putting up a 14-point season in 2020, 2021 in the AHL, then yeah, I'm be pretty pissed. And he was on pace for a bad year this year, like, but he still kind of is. But tonight against the I'm trying to the Springfield something or other I think it's called. So I'm trying to bring it up. The Springfield Thunderbirds. He put up two points. He had an assist and a goal. His second goal of the year, third assist of the year. Um, before that, he had like obviously two goals and one assist. Yeah. So sorry, one goal uh, and two assists. I had that flipped. Um. As far as Bellows goes, you, you want to see more multi-point games from him. You want to see him start to take over a little bit because he's getting to the age now where he should be putting up big numbers in the AHL. At 21 years old, he absolutely should. He should be. At 21 years old, uh, with his... Um, what's the word I want to look for? Uh, dra- draft pedigree. That's the word I was looking for. Because again, yeah. he was drafted 19th overall. And he did go to the WHL and put up a ton of points. 41 goals he did. Yeah. No, and that's why I said next year, if we have this same conversation about Bellows where he's not producing, then I would say, okay, you're probably looking at a bust here. But I think it really depends on how he finishes this year and going into next season, what happens then? So far, so good. They had to bench him. They, they scratched him over the last two games, and it seems that it works because he, he came back and immediately put up two points. So and they won. That that's huge because the Sound Tigers have not done a lot of winning recently. Um, no. So they're they're creeping up the standings in the what division? Atlantic Division. They're a point off the Char- the Charlotte Checkers for you know they're at the bottom, but they're a point from the bottom. So that's good. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. So that I'm excited about. What I want to talk about is it's actually a tweet that I shared, but I got the info from. Oh, I was going to do that one. All right, go for it. Okay, so it's from TML Updates. So we, at this point, know the Mike Babcock and uh, Mitch Marner story. So Babcock essentially asked Marner to make a list of all the players on the team from who works the hardest to the least hard. And then he had him, he shared it with the team. And one of the guys on the Maple Leafs was not mad at Mitch Marner, who made the list. He was just doing what the coach said. But he got into it with the coach. And that player was none other than New York Islanders' Matt Martin. He caused a confrontation. Uncle Leo broke it up, another current Islander, which is funny. (laughs) Um, And then he lost a ton of playing time the next year. I was always surprised on on why he lost so much playing time because Lou clearly made it a point to go and get him. Right, he he gave him the big contract, big for him, two point five million dollars yep. per year for three years. That's four a big, years. Four years for Matt Martin. That's a big deal. Uh, and then to to bench him, and I was going. I understand they don't want they don't want to play like a tough physical style, but it just seemed weird. And th- this makes a ton of sense that he confronted Mike Babcock for being a jerk to doing something s- so borderline abusive, like mentally abusive, to just kind of put a rookie through that. What are you doing? 
having to rookie outs to his teammates. And not even, what does a rookie even know? Like, what are you, what are you trying to get out of this? I don't get it's, it. In the article I wrote, it said it was hazing. It, this is, reminds me of, like, frat hazing, which I also think is incredibly stupid. But the fact that a grown man is doing this to, what, was he 19, 20-year-old kid at that point? Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's insane. It, it really brings me back to, to something that, that a friend of mine said to me uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago. And he said, uh, what was the word? The words yeah, he used exactly. Is it, how hard is it just to be nice? Like just talking about some of these, like the, the Bill Peters thing as well that's going on right now. And we, we saw yeah. uh, what, what LA King, Dustin Penner was it? Who said like, oh, my dad's out there burning his tapes because he's so scared of what, what's coming, like the, what's coming for coaches now. If your dad's burning tapes, maybe he's got something to be worried about. And you know what? I, I'm all for this. I'm all for this woke moment going on in the NHL right now where players are coming out and saying, like, you know what? What you did to me was stupid. Why are you why are you acting like this? It does you don't need to do that to motivate me. You shouldn't have to do that at all. You're just doing it because the other guys did it before you? That's not a good reason to just be no. a jerk. Come on now, we're better than this. No, and like uh, this story with Babcock was bad and then the Peters one that came out is awful, too. It's just not a good look for the NHL or the old guard of NHL coaches because that is, I mean, a couple of awful situations right there. Hopefully this is the, the moment the, the that the paradigm shifts in the NHL where it's just like a bunch of stuffy old white guys leading the room. Um, we, we need more, not need, but like we're desperate for more inclusivity in this league would they keep harping it right with like anyone can play all right yeah, cool for everyone yeah. doesn't sound like it because uh, you know you're kicking people in the bench and punching them in the head or you're you're hazing them for no particular reason whatsoever like what what did he possibly gain out of that he being babcock at this point what would what, what you gain from that that doesn't make any sense i don't i just don't understand the psychology behind it huh, i'm gonna ouch him in front of his teammates and now he's gonna work harder what about the other guys now the other guys aren't gonna work any harder they're gonna hate you yeah, and I think that's a natural reaction. Like, I feel like wouldn't you hate the coach more than the player who he may do that? Yeah, like I'd hate the player, but I can get over that real quick. I would hate the coach and never get over it. No, which is why you see so many guys out there celebrating on Twitter when Babcock got fired. <laughs> Mike Commodore leading the charge on that one. <laughs> I love that, by the way. That was great. Pack your S-H-I-T. <laughs> What else you got for the social? That was the last one. I wanted to bring it up and be all coy about it. Like, I got this tweet from some schmuck called Matt O'Leary and why I've never heard of. Anyways, he shares this thing about Matt Martin, and I think it was important. That was, no, was going to be my it whole It was shtick. important. Okay. I'm sorry I ruined your stick, man. That's fine. There's not a lot going on on Twitter outside, like for the Islanders specifically. Everything is uh, outside of that, and everyone's just kind of like getting over the fact that we lost for the first time in 55 years. Yeah, I, I got one more. So uh, Donald Rosner, who is the owner of Bagel Boss, uh, he shared some news on Twitter tonight. He has two projects coming up. One is opening up Blue Line Bagel and Deli in Huntington. That's going to happen in mid-January. And it's going to be a hockey-themed, especially Islanders theme, he notes, um, I guess, deli, which I think is awesome. A hockey-themed deli? That's pretty dope. I'm all down. Where is Huntington? Uh, okay, so that, it's a little further out east, like where I work, so okay, a little bit into Suffolk County, okay. not gotcha. crazy far into Suffolk. Um, and then the second thing he says is, I am on my way to getting Bagel Boss into Belmont, mm. which would be awesome. That's all I would eat. I would just eat bagels. 
all day. Whenever I go to Belmont, I just get a bagel, get a beer. Done. That's amazing. Oh, bagel and a beer. That sounds awesome. Well, I mean, you finally conceded that Long Island and New York bagels are better, right? I never conceded that they were. Well, yeah, I did, actually. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, yeah so you got to load up now when you come back. Yeah, well, that's all right. I like <laughs> them. They're good. So the bagel I, I had was delish because specifically they included a pickle. Oh, that, that made my day right there when they put a little pickle in my thing. Oh, that was amazing. A little pickle. That'll do it for you, Mitch. <laughs> Love my little pickles. <laughs> Okay, so with that, we're going to get a couple of plugs in here before we close out the show. Wherever you're listening to it, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. That really helps us out a lot. We genuinely appreciate all the love and support that you guys give us. It really means a lot to both Mitch and I. And uh, Thanksgiving's tomorrow, so I think it's appropriate for us to thank the listener and our leader um, readers, I guess. I can't speak <laughs> to apparently. To the dear leader. To my leader. Uh, to the readers. Uh, because we couldn't do this without you guys, and it genuinely means a lot to us to get all the support. Yeah, happy second Thanksgiving for me. I, I'm not going to actually have another turkey, but it feels like another Thanksgiving because everyone around me is talking about Thanksgiving. So I feel the holiday spirit. So I thank you, listener, reader, everyone. Anyone who's got put in, putting this in their ears, I thank you. And even if you're not, you're sitting next to someone who's maybe getting the derivative sound, I thank them too. Absolutely. Anything helps. Uh, you could also follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. You could like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could download our app available on iPhone and Android, the Eyes on Isles app. And of course, visit the website, eyesonisles.com for all your New York Islanders needs. Lastly, of course, if you're interested in the post game content, mailbag podcast episodes newsletters and so much more head over to patreon.com slash eyes on aisles and you can subscribe for five dollars a month and you get all that extra content beautiful mitch episode 119 in the books it's been a blast talk to you next week for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.